the video how about of the that, Eagles how about a, video. How about Gabe Kapler wearing <laughs> that shirt? I would like to think that shirt was was painted on by an artiste. Because I don't know if you if there is a fabric. I'm looking at it right now. Of course, you're uh, looking at it right now. I, I don't know if there's you a f- looking at it before you went to bed last night and then kissing it when you woke up this morning. I don't know if there's a fabric on earth that can allow you to see the muscle veins, uh, your arm veins through the shirt. I just want to know. I honestly, God, want to know what fabric that is because that I need that fabric. Maybe that would help me. Oh, you think that's what you're missing between looking completely jacked is just the right fabric T-shirt? Well, you know, there's 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 a there's a big window in between there between the t-shirt and looking as a guy jacked, who's I could as use a, a little help. As a guy who's seen Kyle in person, <laughs> there's no way. There is no fabric on this planet that's gonna make Kyle look veiny and jacked. <laughs> Kyle is kind of like Speaking of like, veiny, how like was the, your night, he's Russ? Like, he's like the human personification of Gumby. Oh he's he's just he's like slender. It's he's true. a slender guy. It's true. Yeah, so when you you really didn't see that picture before I tweeted it at you, Kyle? Uh no, no. I you were yeah. I think you were the one who brought it to my attention. So what, then what was your thoughts of Jack Gabe Kapler in a uh in a MLB network interview? I gotta say, I don't like the way he uses the word brother so casually. Brother. Uh, not not brother, brother, I guess I should say. Maybe he's um, a Hulk Hogan fan. Don't hate yeah, on him. it's just like he said it to John Clark when he got to the airport. He said it to Brian Kenny on the MLB Network. Listen, brother, I don't. I that's probably going to get old in press conferences if he refers to people as brother. I do enjoy how Kenny asked him a question and he sort of answered it, and then Kenny went back and kind of rephrased it, and he's like, "I respect your question" or something along those lines. Like he's so weirdly direct that it kind of makes me uncomfortable. And not necessarily a bad way, just it's a place I haven't been before with the manager. I, you know what, though? It's, That's all I've, fair. I've said this kind of thing before. I think it makes sense, though. Like, when he's in press conferences, the being direct, it does throw the interviewer off. Oh, yeah. It, and, like, I said, uh, I think Adam before had asked me, like, when you're a teacher and somebody comes in to observe you, what do you do? And, like, you turn you turn the script. Like, you take the power back by including them and by kind of, like, you know, disrupting what their normal routine would be. And it makes a lot of sense that Gabe would do it. He's got that TV experience, and it's just like, I don't know. The, the media is so used to being able to create narratives because a manager doesn't want to get, you know, doesn't want to bother getting involved, having conversations with them. But the fact that Gabe is now, you know, not in their face, but is, is able to directly, uh, you know, take on any question, like, it, they they just can't get away. I found I'm back to like feeling like Trump, but like they can't get away with, you know, creating narratives because you know that Gabe is going to go right up to them and offer them every kind of quote they need. He's he's a very interesting guy, but it it's going to take. You're some right. Time. He used did. To. He did do that in the opening press conference. Like the whole blogging thing, whatever ammo people thought they had, he just dis- disarmed them. Like just by answering the question there's nothing you could do with it he owned it he looked at them told him it was a good question i understand your question and again makes me a little uncomfortable that he's that direct but uh yeah it does kind of work yeah it's intense i don't know i do worry sometimes that it's all like one big fabrication 
You know what I mean? Like sometimes when someone's this way, uh, you begin to think, is this them or is this how they're projecting themselves to be? And I think we might have to be on Gabe Kapler Fugazi watch. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think like um, I'm a little worried that like midway through the season, he's going to be like, listen, brother, I, uh, I know that we've only won five games, but uh, what we're doing here is mental toughness. Kapler, and everyone's be like, yeah, Gabe, we get it. You fucking told us this like 30 fucking times. And I don't know if he's at, like he was in the media. So I don't know if he's really like this zoned in dude that wrote these blogs or if it's all like one creation. So I don't know. I don't want to challenge him yet. He hasn't managed yet, but I'm just I'm worried about it. Kyle needs to get a shirt made. It's got to it's got to be the red and, and yellow, the Hulk Hogan stuff. And it's got to be called Kapler Mania. It's got to be Ooh. an outline, a silhouette of his muscular, veiny body, and there's just a little speech bubble that says "brother." That needs to happen now. Uh, Brother, I seriously want him to come out with a feather boa. To, uh, we are working uh, on. Conferences. We are working on a "put some sun on your boy's shirt." That's a great. That's a great quote. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, tan, tan your couple, boys. Couple. Yeah, a couple Phil's themed ones. Um, I the Fugazi thing. I don't think he's fake. I, okay. I think he believes all of this stuff. His 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 blog posts are very well written and researched, and you, you, you kind of can't fake that. Um, but uh, but but yeah, but I was gonna say, um, I feel like he he believes so staunchly in this, and no one really knows if if his methods are gonna work. I, and by methods, I literally just mean in in some ways his personality, his intensity. Um, you know, just kind of the way he, he speaks and imparts himself. There's a chance this could go epically wrong. Like, I was watching that interview yesterday, and I'm like, man, there's a chance this guy's out of a job by August. On the flip side, it could go spectacularly right. Like, I, I think he genuinely believes this stuff. I think he has some really good ideas. If you read his stuff and you listen to him talk, he's he is knowledgeable, but he's, he's very set in his ways. And you get the sense that that could either go really well or really poorly. Like, I mean, there could be a Chip Kelly hire. angle of that. This was an important hire for Clintech. Mm-hmm. And then to, to have it on, like, kind of a wild card is really interesting. My only thought, and this I, I probably wasn't, like, part of their thinking, but, they you know, they re-signed McCannon and then fired him at the end of the season. Which was so weird. It was weird. I wonder if they decided, like, look, we're still a year or two away from, from contending. Like, they're not going to contend this year. So let's give ourselves the most time possible to find a manager. If Kapler flames out this year, they're not going to be – There's, you know, they can go out and hire a new manager next year, and things will continue to be fine. Oof, so maybe they bought themselves a little bit more time to find the guy. I don't know. Uh, my thing is, if you fire a manager after one year, it's like, so now we're supposed to trust that you know what to do, you know? That, that, is, fair. that is fair. I'm very Welcome, curious. welcome to being a Flyers fan. <laughs> I'm very um, curious to see if Gabe is a speech-after-every-game kind of coach. Like, that's just kind of the vibe I get, that each day he's like, and let me read a quote from Epictetus about struggle. And it's like, oh, yeah, I fuck. Could, I could see that. Yeah. That's totally going to happen. Uh, one guy that will definitely be giving speeches after what I witnessed last night, which was an eight-point just dwindling in the last minute, was Brett Brown and the Philadelphia 76ers. 
Um, man, they looked so good, guys. When I tell you that when Joel Embiid hit the running jump hook and won, I literally wrote in Twitter, Joel Embiid with a running jump hook and one on Twitter. The Sixers have now won 500. And I didn't even finish it. And then the Kings came down the other floor to the other side. And granted, one of their possessions was an absolute just like crap fest that ended in some dude's hands that I don't even know who had a three. And that made it like a really close game. When I tell you that, like, De'Aaron Fox was so bad the entire game, and I would have bet money that he wasn't going to make that shot. But to watch Joel Embiid get blocked by Willie Cauley-Stein, to to watch the last possessions not really have a flow, and watch Embiid shooting from deep on a lot of these really crucial possessions, the Sixers couldn't ice the game. They couldn't finish a game that they should have had. Like, that was a win against the Santa, the 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 Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I I wish I wish well I'm glad I guess I fell asleep with 6 minutes to go. I tried valiantly. Those 10 o'clock games are tough. Um one thing could have done without that 8 minute long Jerry Colangelo interview. Didn't need that in my life. Didn't find it particularly insightful. Didn't appreciate how Robert Covington hit what could have been a miraculous four-point play and Colangelo didn't even miss a beat in talking about his old friend and changing the rules way back in the day um the i kind of ag- i agree with your points i, wa- I went, went back and rewatched the end of the game it's kind of shocking that the iron fox kind of poetic really that he hits the jumper um the reason the reason we had no interest in him here was because he couldn't shoot he couldn't shoot for a majority of the night last night oh. although he did he did wind up putting up uh what do we got? 11, 11, 4, and 7. So he actually yeah, had a pretty... Yeah, the same point. I mean, he went 4 of 13, yep. 0 for 3 from 3. I mean, dude, we talk about Markel Fultz free throw shooting. Markel Fultz at least has an injury. I'm watching De'Aaron Fox go 4 of 7, like, down the stretch, and I'm like, ugh. Like, he just, he's got no stroke whatsoever, and he's, uh, man, what's the dude's name from Mighty Ducks that couldn't stop? Mendoza? I think that... Russ. Ooh, that's a, that's a good reference. It wasn't Mendoza? I think it was. Yeah, Luis Mendoza. That's De'Aaron Fox. Like, he's got no touch. He turned the ball over a butt, like, close to the closest turnover towards the end. I was very unimpressed with De'Aaron Fox. And then I, and then all of a sudden, that shot's on every form of social media, and I'm like, fucking A. Like, sometimes it's so not representative of the truth. Yeah, and, a, and B, go ahead. Go ahead, Russ. There's, there's just a, a lot to be upset about. Uh you know, going into to last night, I said to a coworker, I'm like, all right, we know the Flyers are going to lose to the Blackhawks, and we know that the Sixers are going to beat the Kings. And, of course, the exact opposite had to happen. Uh, there, there's no reason. Look, there, there have been plenty of people taking Brett Brown to task about not calling a timeout at the end of a game. But when you're up eight points with two minutes to go, you're up four with just over a minute to go. On the road to a— I believe it was a, only what, six, by the way, the Sixers lead. Just, uh, just FYI. You positive? I'm looking uh, now, yeah. Biggest lead was um, six for the Sixers. All right, my bad. <clears throat> um, there's there's no reason for you to be in a back-and-forth game with two minutes left with the Sacramento Kings. I don't care if you're playing in Sacramento. Like, there is no reason to be in that close of a game. And so when you start seeing that, like, Covington's hitting threes, he, he put up another 12 last night, shooting 50%. Uh, Kincaid, I think, was the one who tweeted out last night that 
guys who have taken at least seven threes a game. Covington's leading the way with a 50% clip on the season. Like it's he was a, very it's proud a, of that stat. Too. Like that's it's absurd. Um, Redick takes you know makes makes two of six. There's some interesting things that happen. Like Sarge still doesn't look comfortable. He looks better as a starter right now, but like he shoots five of twelve. Like those are those are some possession killers. Uh, Embiid goes seven for twenty, but like I know that Embiid is a very good shooter. I know that he is you know one of our two best players. But a fadeaway elbow jumper is not the shot that I'm looking for. And if that's the shot you're going to take, then you better call the timeout and get a half-court set established. Instead, what you had was kind of what felt a little bit frantic. And instead of getting Joel set up in the in the post where he was dominating all night, especially in the second half, instead of getting a, a an enclosed shot, you end up getting this elbow jumper that, like, yeah, have we seen Joel hit it? Absolutely. Is he going to hit that shot probably 7 out of 10 times? Yeah. But do I want that shot to be the one that's taken as, like, the main option without calling a timeout? No. Well, get I don't him, know. Get him the ball deep in the post. We've I don't said know this so if, many times. I don't know if he's going to hit that shot 7 out of 10 times. Like, our, our image of him is as a, as a good shooter, and he can shoot very well for a big man, and we've seen that he could hit the 3. Uh, but his stroke has, has not been particularly good so far this season. Um, you know, I saw people, I, my favorite, uh, my buddy, Jason Ashworth tweets yesterday. Oh, and B should stop trying to play. Like he's a guard. I, I didn't feel like getting into it again with him, but I'm like, dude, that's why he's so good is because he has some guard skills for a guy who's seven foot one. Like you can't tell the guy to stop doing half of what kind of makes him great. I agree that he should be in the paint more and shouldn't always like, you know, defer towards, playing out around the top of the key but for god's sakes like don't don't tamp down some of his ability he said this after a turnover uh where Embiid, you know like tried to dribble and i think dribbled it off his foot or whatever or felt or the one maybe where he slid and fell down and gives everyone his his daily uh lump in the throat moment um kevin did a really good piece yesterday on the numbers and that's where that stat came from and like when you go back and just kind of look again at this game it's a really a microcosm of the season so far in a in a way the Sixers are talented enough. They're athletic enough. They're shooting lights out. Like Robert Covington is en route to making JJ Redick completely expendable next season. You know, there's a lot of thought that, okay, Redick's got a one year deal, but if he's a good citizen and we can afford him, well, Covington's going to get so much damn money. And he's shooting, this isn't sustainable to shoot at 50% for the season. But my God, like, he's, he, he's out of his mind. Like, he's, he really he's, is unconscious and he makes them it's it's incredible i mean they shoot the three well they have some ability like some of the field goal struggles last night are not really indicative ben timmons was in foul trouble i think he sat out almost the entire third quarter after he picked up that early foul so there's a lot of mitigating factors but then you go back and look at the stats and it's the same thing 17 turnovers to nine um their free throw percentage was actually 70 percent, which is rare. 28 fouls to 19 like they're they have three like there were they're, so many ticky tack fouls in that fourth quarter, but the Sixers that, always pick them up. Like I'm beginning to think they're not just bad yeah. calls. It's just the you know? second, it's day, discipline. second it's a game in a row that my Twitter feed was filled with people hitting me up and going, "Hey man, like these refs are calling some bullshit." And I was like, "I agree. Like I'm I'm not agree with a lot of these calls." Um, I, let me ask you guys this philosophically. I'm at a crossroads where. 
I watch and, and I'm going, man, Covington, what a, man, this is awesome. Embiid, wow, like what an impressive person. Simmons, holy shit, these dunks. This is a, he's like a young LeBron. And then they like are in these games. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not used to expecting a win, but this is a position, you know, up 108 to 102 with a minute left that I should be expecting a win. And it's like interesting. It's like I'm I'm so excited about the future, but then I'm also getting upset about the present. But then I'm also thinking to myself, yeah, but like, isn't this great that we're even here? Like I, I'm not I'm not hard enough on this team like I think I should be. Like I don't but I don't wanna be like yelling about how MB needs to improve his shot selection down the stretch. Like it's weird. Like I know he shouldn't be shooting those shots and settling for those shots. But at the same point, like, I think I should be. So let me really quick go back and correct something I said earlier. I said 7 out of 10, and I'm wrong. It's, he makes about half of those shots. Um, looking at an analytics site, his shot, his heat map on the season, he makes about 64% of the shots that are taken near the hoop, about 43% when you get between the hoop and free throw line. He makes 51%, 51.4% of his uh, kind of like elbow free throw jumpers. He's shooting 24% from the top of the arc and just off to the wing. And he's only made one corner three on the season. So, like, there, only there's only one three all season? On the, in the corner. Oh, um, okay. And so, like, there, there are parts about that that really stand out as being at least a, a little bit alarming. Um, his, his, the fact that he's taken 25 threes from, from the top of the arc and he's only made six of them, this kind of comes back to... Like last year, it felt like that that January stretch where he he looked like he was hitting everything was great, but like if he's gonna be taking you know a, a, at least one or two a game and he's not making them, like we start getting into like I think Al Horford right now is shooting a higher three point percentage than Joel is, which is bonkers. Um, but anyway, but I, I got uh, yeah I, I got a follow up to that R- real quick um, before we continue on. I want to pause a minute and take a minute and tell you about Cozy Jewelers. I'm just, I feel like I'm just doing an advent calendar every time I do their ad read because it is now November 10th. And uh, we're, Ooh, we're... Does this piece have almonds in it? Ooh, it does. I'm sorry? You said an advent calendar. I'm eating the Just chocolate. the second thing in a row that Russ has completely derailed. Keep going, Kyle. <laughs> Love you, Russ. Do advent calendars have almonds? Have chocolate in them? Yeah, I was just. Ju- I meant those little sandals. Adam, what was the other thing I derailed? What else have I derailed? Cozy yeah. Jewelers. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, co- Cozy Jewelers. I feel like I have an advent calendar here because I'm just counting down the dates. We're still plenty early for holiday shopping. However, Cozy has a 20% off Black Friday sale that they are extending throughout the month of November to Crossing Broad broadcast listeners and crossing broad readers you could just go in mention the website or the podcast you'll get 20 percent off cozy jewelers is family owned and operated located in newtown square in the edgemont shopping center super accessible um take it from me if if you're planning to buy some jewelry this holiday season for a significant other i know many of our readers uh either live or work or work and live in the suburbs and going downtown to jewelers row is just not not in the cards especially during the holiday season it's like half a day to do it uh if you're looking for the best jewelry spot 
outside of the city and arguably in the entire city itself with 5.0 rating on Yelp and a 4.9 on Google reviews with plenty of reviews. Go to Cozy Jewelers in Newtown Square. They're friends of the show. They'll take care of you. Um, they are certified Movado watch dealer. They have an ex- extraordinary selection. We've heard from listeners how helpful uh, their staff has been to them. And, and typically, we don't get feedback on sponsors, so I take that as a very good sign. Um, if you are thinking about popping the question, then super simple. Go to them. You'll get $500 off a custom ring, and the guys at Cozy Jewelers will walk you through the process, the four Cs. If you don't know what that means, trust me, you'll definitely want to be walked through it. Um, they will tell you how they source their diamonds, and they'll get you set up. It's a lot, um, it's a lot more... Uh, there's a lot more involved in just walking in and picking out a ring, especially when you're doing a custom engagement ring. These guys will walk you through the process uh, so you can the burden can be taken off of you and you just get her a great ring that she loves. So great selection, 20% off uh, through Black Friday if you mention Crossing Broad and $500 off a custom engagement ring at Cozy Jewelers in Newtown Square. It's Cozy Jewelers, C-O-Z-Z-I Jewelers.com. Uh, thanks to them for sponsoring the show again. Um, Russ, back to your... To your B point about him missing the shots, and I'm not sure exactly, um, you know where where we were, but uh, like I, I I'm, not, I'm not ready. To, I'm not mad at. I, you can't get frustrated with a guy for missing the shots because it is part of his game, and I think his timing will come. Um, I don't know. Like Adam, what had you said? <laughs> I think you had teed, asked some sort of question. My question was, where are you guys in the sliding scale? of being excited about the future, but also being able to criticize in the present. This is I why think, I don't like your sliding scale. Like, I don't I don't think there is... I think with a sliding scale, right, when we came into the season, we, we had argued about whether or not they were a playoff team. I've said they, they are. They should be like a, maybe a fourth or fifth seed. But, you know, it, it's also contingent on Joel being healthy. It's contingent on, you know, Ben being as good as we thought he was. And so 11 games into the season, Ben looks better than advertised. Joel doesn't look as good defensively, and he's not hitting threes of the clip he was last year. Fine. But Covington is out of his mind. Redick is shooting, I think, a little bit worse than I expected. Um, who, oh, that's New York. Um, but, like, ultimately, I think the the sliding scale or whatever, like, if, if we're being <laughs> realistic, they... <laughs> this thing is awesome. This is somebody, like, the ambulance is coming for me for my awful take. Uh, they're going to put me in like a padded room. So what I'm guessing is 11 games into the season, I think we are very bound to start thinking that we should win every game. And I think the unrealistic expectations are starting to creep back into people's minds. No, fuck I think that I watched the team up six with a, with a little bit more than a minute left and the ball. No, I, agree. I no, like, that's not no, I'm not playing this whole. No, that was that should have happened, and that was the fucking. No, it should have. No, that's that's what I'm getting at. Is that the Kings game is one that you have to win. But like, let's say they go and they play. Uh, they're gonna go play the Warriors next, right? I think two of their next three games or something are against. Yeah, the but Warriors. I'm just talking about last it's night. Like, no, I know. Well, they should have won last night, and and it's not. But that isn't even like. The sliding scale of thinking that they're a good young team and that they should win. It's it's the Kings, and the Kings are garbage. And, like, even if the team isn't playing, you know, even if the team wasn't coming off a five-game win streak, you would hope that they would win if it's the first game of the season or the, 80, or the 81st. Um, but, like, that said, I think people were kind of expecting them to win practically every game, but you have to beat the Kings. Like, yeah, are they going to be competitive against the Warriors? 
I don't know. I actually think they're going to win one of these two war- upcoming Warriors games. What? Uh, well, f- first of all, it's that's the, war- the sliding scale of unrealistic expectations. That's, uh, they are not competing with the Warriors. I can't. There's wait no way to serve you, Russ. First of all, like everyone looks at stuff on payroll, they can compete the Warriors. The Sixers they're are a pretty good Warriors. team. The Warriors are are still in a little bit of a. How many losses do they have, Adam? Adam, NBA expert. I don't know. I know I they had a to, few in the beginning of the year, but I'll check based off the Bleacher they're, Report. At, they're nine and three. They're nine yeah. and three. They're second. They're second in the West. Okay. Yeah, they're nine and three. It's not like they they don't lose games anymore. Okay. Who did they Who did they beat last night, Kyle? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't last night. Never mind. I don't care. I'm getting I'm getting too angry. <laughs> I honestly don't care. Let, let me just finish for a second. They beat the Wolves. This, beat the Spurs. The Sixers, yeah, but the Sixers play a, a a very similar style. They share the ball a lot. They're second in the league to only the Warriors in assists, and they've been shooting the three outstandingly well. If Covington and Redick are on, the Sixers will absolutely hang with the Warriors, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm not sure the Warriors have anyone who could truly match up with Joel Embiid either. So, um, All right, it's, one position. It, yeah, well, uh-huh. <laughs> and two guys is he who gonna shoot play, the three. Is he going to play 43 minutes? Dude, okay, whatever. I I think the the Sixers take one of these next two games. That's just a take, just my opinion. I think they do because they play similar style and they could get streaky and hot. And as young guys, you know, I think what we saw with a young team last night was a was a borderline trap game. You have the Warriors coming up. You're now in the settling into a a long West Coast swing. You picked up an early win, so you took a little bit of pressure off yourself, and you're playing against a team that you absolutely should beat. If there's a you know if it is not exciting in any regard. Like, should they beat the Lakers? Yes. But are they going to get up for that because Alonzo Ball? Yes. Are, are the Kings exciting any of those young guys? No, not really. And I think we saw that last night. They were undisciplined. Um, ben Simmons got into some foul trouble, maybe through no fault of his own. There were some ticky-tack calls. But all the things that have plagued the Sixers were just sort of blown up. Um, not And plagued is, is maybe the wrong word, but blew up last night. The fouls, the, you know, he missed time. Uh, for fouls the turnovers all those things matter and they didn't shoot the ball particularly well from the field so I think they're able to get up for the Warriors I think when you like to me you have to win that game Adam I'm not at a spot where I'm ready to be like oh well it's the future no they're they're a pretty decent team now and you can definitely criticize in years past maybe it's like all right they're tanking it doesn't matter this isn't what about they're building for the future and they're going to fix a lot of these things the good thing about like Really, if you guys have been reading Kevin's stuff, like he has, like he nailed what happened last night and what happened in the other game. They got outscored by eight points in the second quarter, which was which was the difference in the game. They outscored the Kings in both the third and fourth quarters. Once again, the second quarter struggles. So it's second quarter struggles. It's turnovers. It's fouls. Like all these things, though, are correctable. It's not like they don't have a shooter or a big man. Like there's no gaping hole in their game. They share the ball well. It's just these little. It's it's these discipline things, and and considering the fact that they have a winning record already uh, against some pretty tough competition thus far, uh, like to me the sky's the limit. So you can criticize when things go wrong at the end of games. The only thing I would say is that the three point pace, especially Covington's, as good as it looks, it's not sustainable. No one's shooting fifty percent from three on the year. Can he shoot forty three or forty four percent? Maybe. Um, but some of this is going to revert. So I feel like when you when you look at the numbers, and they're tops of the league and like sharing the ball and 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 a good number of like scoring offensive stats, they're, they're pretty well ranked. But then all those discipline things are down low. And I feel like when the shots don't quite fall at the clip they're falling, like they're gonna there's going to be some real frustrating games where I think they lose by eight to ten, and you're like, what happened? 
And the difference is going to be, you know, Covington makes four of 12 free threes instead of six of 12. Yeah, I'm excited to see how Embiid and Simmons kind of flow in a game against the Warriors and just kind of see their potential uh, to see Draymond Green maybe matching up on Ben Simmons uh, to see kind of uh, Embiid's ability to kind of run the floor. And then I think the other thing I'm excited to hear is the Warriors quotes after the game. You know, I think the, the, the best thing about rooting for Carson Wentz is that after each game, someone from the other team gives him this incredible compliment, and you're like, hell yes, everybody sees it. And I think Ben Simmons is very similar. Every game I'm kind of seeing somebody like, oh, wow, he's really, really good. So I'm excited to see the Warriors' takes on him. But I, I agree, that was a game they had to win last night in terms of like a game they had in their hands. But it's uh, it's interesting. Like I, I, I love Brett Brown because I think, you know, he really keeps this team together and I like what he's he's done with the team. But at the same point, there is a lot of late game situations where I'm sitting there getting real frustrated at just the lack of good play calling or getting the ball in the hands of the right person. On one yeah. hand, on one hand, he's, you know, you can say, all right, okay, they're young. There, there's going to be some end of game struggles, and there have been. But this is an entirely different team. Like you can't go back and say two years ago they were young because almost none of these guys were actually playing. You know, McConnell and Covington, really. Um, on the other hand, it's like they did have some late game success last year. They won some very exciting games late. That uh, Covington hit a couple of big shots. Obviously, the McConnell shot, which wasn't a timeout. I don't even know if they had a timeout in that circumstance. Last night, though, I don't know. To me, I always defer to if you're down, you call the timeout. Maybe with a veteran team. Maybe if you're coaching the Warriors or the – I don't even know about the Cavs. But, you know, you're coaching a really good, well-rounded team. The Wizards who have played together for a while, let those guys go. Like, those guys are going to go out there and be able to create and catch a defense off balance. When you have a young team like that, I think it, it helps unless you have some sort of a break or numbers game to put them, to give them a little bit of structure on a final play like that rather than kind of freewheeling and, and you wind up with Embiid, you know, not being able to get by Willie Cauley-Stein, which is on two consecutive possessions, which is equally as infuriating. Adam, your sliding scale argument, I think, makes a lot of sense if we had been coming off of that, like, that Houston game where they, they blew it at the end. Like, I, I think at that point, right. then it really does become a little bit more of, of a... Like, in the past, we would have absolutely written off the Houston game. And then, like, there there were people who I think expected maybe a little bit more of the team than was realistic. And then, like, when, when you go into that first Houston game, giving your team no chance, and then, like, sliding scale, they're close at the end, they have a lead, and then they blow it, and they lose the game. And then people, you know, called up and started saying that Brett Brown needs to be fired again. Like... I think that's where the sliding scale argument makes sense. I think against a Sacramento team that you never should lose to, regardless of if it's a process year or you have two legitimate studs now. Like, I don't know if I don't know if last night was was the night that necessarily makes the case of the sliding scale, but like I do think that this next stretch they have coming up is going to be interesting. I I will go on the record now. I guess if Kyle's going to go out and go nuts that they're going to somehow beat the Warriors. I think it's more likely that the Sixers lose on the road to the Lakers than they do than they like actually beat the Warriors. I think it's much more likely. I don't know, man. I think I think Ben Simmons is going to get so up up for that game that he's going to dunk through Lonzo Ball. 
Like yeah, it, but I could also see there's like, a real Joel. chance we have. Lonzo a, Ball looks like dog shit. It's great. He does shooting like 29 percent or something. I retweeted I something give a last shit what night that like are. I'm watching him play and I'm like he doesn't even belong out there. Like it's it, there's nothing about his game that translates. It's so far from what I've seen. It's great. You know, maybe he was distracted because his little brother went and got arrested in China. China. Maybe. I I feel like I saw an NBA expert tweet or I I forget who it was. They were saying like when you don't ha- when you you're not athletic. It, he's and you know you, when you're not terribly athletic the way Lonzo is is or isn't whatever however you should say that. You need to be able to be a very consistent shooter. And I think what we're seeing now is the fact that he's not a premium shooter and this is all if you go back to the draft when they were comparing him and Fultz it's like yes like, you know, Fultz is a separate issue right now, obviously. But it, Lonzo Ball took a lot of really deep shots in college because he doesn't – he has sort of a lower release. It's a little bit different. And he needs a little bit of separation to get it off. And in the NBA, he's not yep. getting that. And you're seeing what happens when you can't get off that shot, even though you have the range because you have a bigger guy on you and he's closer in your face and so on. And suddenly being a few feet behind the NBA three-point line is no longer deep like that same spot on the floor was in college. He doesn't have the athleticism to compensate in other ways. Like Ben Simmons can't shoot for for, for you know for all practical purposes, and he's still able to go out and dominate because he's a superior athlete. And like you know, Lonzo is missing one of those two things. He has to either be a good athlete or be a good shooter. And like you can't just be in that middle zone of being just a good passer. Um, I th- you know like he's going to bounce back, whatever. But I think we're going to see like you have the Iverson, a few of those that first season, the Jordan crossover. Um, there was a, there's another like sort of famous image from that season. Um, I feel like we're going to get a Ben Simmons dunking on Lonzo ball image. That's going to stick with us for the next couple of decades. I really do. I just think Ooh, that's going to happen. That'd be great. My ball take. Can, uh, we, can got- we just mention really quick how athletic I, I'm actually a little bit surprised at how explosive Ben has been on some of these dunks. I, I don't know if it's just, I didn't get to see him enough in college or what, but like, some of That's the dunks he had last night him. against against Sacramento. No, I'm just saying, like, how there are some times where he's, like, it feels like he's not going to be able to get to the rim, and his wingspan is just so long that he somehow reaches. Like, he had that, that dunk last week that broke the internet. There were a couple of them last night. You know what's funny? felt the same way. Is that he, in NBA 2K, his, he's, he's only up to an 81, which still feels unjust. They dropped Fultz down to, like, a 76. So, that... that change happened very quickly he should be higher but in nba 2k18 he can he made those dunks like even before the season started like you would be jamming on r2 and hit shoot and he would take off from just inside the free throw line and throw one down you're like man come on he can't do that and now that he's doing it i went back i played a quick game yesterday and i did that and for the first time i was like okay this doesn't feel fake like this is actually the player we have there's very few players in that game who do that lebron is one of them and it's it's kind of fun that that guy's on our team, and the game got it right. So um, I, I'm at a Bleacher Report yesterday, and I'm at uh, lunch, and we're like kind of like a bunch of us are hanging out, and like Maurice walks by, and we start talking about Sixers, and and I said, you know what's great is all these dumb storylines that people said during the draft. Oh, how can you be the first pick if you didn't make the NCAA tournament? Oh, Ben Simmons doesn't. He doesn't care. He's lazy. He's selfish. 
Man, Ben Simmons has been incredible in every like form and machination, and he has been so good, and his defense has been good, and he's been amazing. Like if you listen to his post game press conferences, and just all of the hate, and then forget Lonzo Ball. Remember when people thought that they should draft Brandon Ingram over uh, Ben Simmons because he potentially was potentially Sam Hankey as well. Yo, Ingram looks like hot doo doo. It's so awesome. Ben Simmons is better than everybody. He looks like such hot doo-doo that New York is sending their fire department out to L.A. to put out the fire. Yeah, get him, NYFD. Yeah, more. We need more. Here we go. Hold on, guys. Here comes more. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, there goes another one. All right, guys. I got to go. Why? I I, got to go. What's your lesson plan about today? It's Friday. It's a great day. It's a great day for America. So what are you going to be doing? What are you going to be teaching? Teach us. Teach us something that you're going to teach the kids. I want to be smarter. Uh, Do you know what today is, Adam? Friday. No, besides that. It is... uh, Columbus Day. It's uh, Veterans Day. Veterans Day. Oh, when's Columbus Day? It already happened. Already happened. Are people off for Veterans Day? So, well, tomorrow's Veterans Day. Veterans Day is the 11th. But today... Today is the day that at, at schools that we honor that's, our vets. You know, last so that's night. Gonna, that's going to take a nice chunk of our day. We've got a nice assembly that our school plans, and they bring in all of the local vets. It's a really nice moment. <laughs> yeah, here's the cheers. Um, no, thank you. Yeah, I wasn't being facetious. Um, well, Russell, you didn't teach me shit. Le- I already do that. Last night, I teach looked up. Teach me something, Russ. I knew today was observed because last night I looked up a favorite pizza place. Shout out to Spuntino, which I always pronounce wrong, in Doylestown. There's also one in Old City. They're not a sponsor. Their pizza is just really fucking good. Brick oven pizza. I'm going to go pick someone up today. We have some family coming over this afternoon. And then I saw that it was Veterans Day observed. And I'm like, this better not affect their open hours. They better be open on Veterans Day observed because I have family coming who was counting on this pizza. Anyway. Um, is Russ I'm gone? Woefully selfish. Uh, yeah, he's gone. Uh, we got a few tweets here. Um, and I, I think it's good because this is a late night. This is a late night Sixers game, and there's a lot of people favoriting and retweeting commentary on the Jerry Colangelo interview, which came at like 10:45 or 11, which to me tells me people are watching the game because I kind of was tweeting about it without context. So this is becoming a basketball town in the winter, which is which is good to see. And got someone asking, do you think Brown should have called a timeout? I get to, I wake up to tweets. Still think Embiid needs extra weight. Load load management means nothing when you are not in top condition. He's overweight and out of shape, and it showed last night. Like we're reaching peak take season, and we're yeah, in that's November what, that's basketball. What's scaring me. Yeah, but I like. I'm glad. Like people, I wouldn't have gotten that tweet about any Sixer like like nitpicking his weight and conditioning prior to this like maybe last January. So I, I take that as a good sign. If you're a basketball fan, another one complain. I got a Twitter a complaining about Brown not taking a timeout. Got another tweet. Um, let me get your thoughts on this one. This is from Rob Larson, disagreeing with our Bob, who wrote a post about celebrating in the Cowboys' misery. Frankly, you are just wrong. Every time the national... Can you mute that? That's wild. Hold on, this is an active morning. This Ooh. Is this like one incident? I don't know. I might like, have to this check, isn't just run-of-the-mill New York. Um... Frankly, you are just wrong. Every time the national media review this season, the no Zeke factor will forever be mentioned. You cannot care about Zeke not playing if you want to, but I want to humiliate the Cowboys without excuses. I fucking hate this viewpoint. 
it's such a sports talk radio. I know it was like their topic yesterday. But let me if you are one of the idiots who wants the Cowboys to be better just so we can beat them and pound our chest pound our chest about it. Okay, we are not the Patriots. We do not have like four or five Super Bowls in the last 15 years under our belt. We could use all the fucking help we can get around here. People are like, "Oh, we only beat the Rays in the 2008 World Series." Like, fuck that. We won the World Series. I hate the, I hate this mindset. Like, was it delicious as a Villanova fan to beat North Carolina? Yes. Would I have been fine if they beat um, George Mason? Just as equally as fine. Like, stop with this stupid, I want to beat the Cowboys at full strength. If Casey haven't noticed, the Eagles haven't won a playoff game in nearly a decade. Like, let's take all the help we can get. If Zeke being hurt gets us home field advantage in the NFC, then I'll fucking take it. Like, do you have any sort of... Please tell me you don't fall on the side of I wish Zeke was whatever. And if we were Sports Talk Radio guys, we would have pre-planned this, and Adam would have been on the side, and I would have been on the other side. Yeah, I don't know no. what side you're on, but there's a right side and a wrong side. Yeah, I don't understand uh, the point of that. Uh, I mean, you get to play against him at the end of the year, too. Uh, no, every time that Zeke is going to get suspended, my friend Neil texts me, the stars are aligning. <laughs> um, and it's great because I go, but they're going to get out aligned in a day. Um, no, I think that for the Eagles, that's incredible. I mean, that's one of the two big threats of the NFC, in my mind, them and the Saints. Uh, and I would, you know... I've, and the Rams and the Seahawks. Well, now, Richard Sherman's out for the year. Oh, is he? I saw he got hurt. Yeah, torn, a, uh, torn Achilles. Ruptured Achilles. Ah, oh, He's sucks. done for the year. But the stars are aligning. Like, yeah, I, I'm going to be very honest. I do not care that really, from the Eagles' perspective, from the Simpson Lefko covering the NFL perspective, and in general, I love Richard Sherman, and I enjoy watching Zeke play, but from an Eagles fan perspective, this is a huge benefit to them. Not having Zeke for six games could damn well take the Cowboys out of playoff contention. It could. It, they could also bounce back and perform well without him. I think the former is more likely than the latter. But this whole, I want to punch the biggest dude in the schoolyard, save it. You know, that, that just sounds like you're bored. No, this should be, uh, if you're an Eagles fan, a celebration that Zeke uh, is suspended for six games. And you know what? Man deserved it. Sure because, does seem like it, right? I guess like who who knows who knows it feels like the nfl handed out suspension a touch willy-nilly but the the fact of the matter is um i first of all the cowboys if they lose to the falcons this week and i i granted there's two ifs here if they lose to the falcons they come into the eagles game the eagles can essentially seal the division with that game now to me like our my sights are now set on home field and buys more than division which is why i'm as interested in the seahawks saints and rams as anybody else um but you could put the nail on the cowboys before thanksgiving four games with six to play with having already won in hand head to head that is super difficult to come back from especially without your best player now two big ifs there the falcons are not good uh so who knows I don't know. Have you seen what that what the Zeke news did to the line? I'd be interested. I was watching it because so I have to do left go locks, right? And mm-hmm. one of mine was Dallas plus three. And then that happened and they were like, You need to change your bet. And I was like, shit. And I've been waiting to see 
what it's going to be. I'll check Odd Shark right now. Is the game in uh, is the game in Atlanta? It is in Atlanta. That's I tough. don't give a shit. Because the Falcons been, need that. I would have been um, all over Dallas. First it's of all. It's still only three. It didn't affect the line at all. Maybe that was built in. Yeah. Um, if, if that's the case, I kind of like the Cowboys, but we'll see if it moves. Um, the Seahawks, first of all, I, I dropped this thing in Slack. That fucking touchdown that Russell Wilson threw to Doug Baldwin, where well, he scrambled a touchdown, back. just a long pass, but yes, uh, Okay, incredible. down to the three. Where he scrambled back 20 yards, and then heaved one up, and Baldwin caught it at the sidelines while the defender fell out of bounds, and then he ran another 40 yards. That is the Seahawks' garbage offense that I was talking about on the last show. Like, they do these things, but it, it's it's like Covington shooting 50% from three. It's just not sustainable. Like, that is not – I know they've had success with this, but I see that, and I'm like, God, they're such garbage. Like, this, that is their offense. They rely on this bullshit. So it's, I had a tweet last night that got uh, 260 retweets and 700 likes about Russell Wilson. You want to hear it? Not that you're counting or anything. Well, I just pulled it up. I know. I said, the Seahawks offense is Russell Wilson rescuing all of his belongings from a house fire while every seven seconds setting up an easel and painting the moment. That is the, <laughs> that is the Seahawks offense. It's Did Russell you work Wilson. on that for a while? Uh, no. I, I was, I Did wrote you use it, 280 for that? That sounds like a 280. No, it definitely feels more like a 165. But you I'm going to be honest. 140 I, with that. I'm it's excited. a whole new brand of humor. I'm excited to be able to do like 160. I've always felt like I go 10 characters over. Mm-hmm. And so I really, that nice cushion, it feels really good to have. I would have been okay with 160 or 180. I think that would have been a sweet spot because what, I started tweeting something last night, and I'm like, oh, wait, I have another 200 characters to play with. I can make this longer. And then I was like, wait a minute, no, it's it, it's going to lose its punchiness if it's longer. That is a problem because now you have people, sometimes the, the pithiness of a short one or two liner yeah. is good. The other thing is when you scroll your timeline, you used to be able to, like, read everything at a glance. Now you get, like, paragraphs in front of you, and you're like, Christ, like, I don't, I can't, you can't scroll the same way. I don't want to be one of these like shout at the cloud guys. Like I get why You're they did not. it. There's plenty of thoughts, but like it is, it changes the way you use Twitter. It's not a glanceable thing anymore. Yeah, my advice to everybody is don't just use 280 because it's there. Do what your thought is, and then if it can be condensed a little bit, sure. But oh, I started getting tweets on the the on the other podcast account that were like filling up the screen, and I was like, guys, I'm. I'm inclined to not even pay attention to these yes. because I don't even know what you're saying. Uh, uh, Timmy Jernigan. Hold on, before, before you move on. Before oh, yeah. you move on. One, you talked about the injuries um, to Sherman. And I, I feel like, like if you look at the Zeke situation, the, the, Eagles, the Eagles season as a whole, now look at the Zeke situation. That is something we can cheer. Not that he beat a woman. But we could be happy about him getting suspended. Because he's, because he's, I like watching him play too. But because he's a dirtbag and because he's not hurt, we're not rooting for somebody's injury. Right. Like that is one of those rare exceptions where you be. I am glad that guy's not playing. He gets what he deserved, maybe. Um, and whereas, if he's like, not on your fantasy team, screw the guy in your league who has him. Exactly. Um, whereas with Rodgers and Sherman, like everything it is sucks. breaking in the Eagles' favor. Like you get the Cowboys are losing their best player. The Packers absolutely lost their best player and immediately become a non-factor. And the Seahawks now are going to be without one of their best defensive players, not only for the rest of the season, but oh, also that road game on December 3rd in Seattle, right. the Eagles play them. So like 
to your point, every, like this, we've talked about this. Everything, I know we got Peter's injury. We have a few issues of our own. But everything has been breaking in their favor all season long. It's and like, unreal. And, you know, Russ, talk, we talked about injuries. And you talk about not wanting to, you want to beat teams at their best. Like, no. Like, when you go through the annals of sports, teams that win have you have to have luck with you. You yourself have to be healthy, and you you have to catch some breaks along the way. And in sports and in a town where we never win, like, I will take all of those breaks. I am super upset that I don't get to watch Aaron Rodgers. I, he's truly one of the great ones, and it sucks not to be able to see him. But that is working in the Eagles' favor. Sherman works in their favor. Zeke, like, just accept it, because this happens to every team. The Patriots get every fucking break. They cheat, like... And still, I would take it. I would be a Patriots fan. I would blog about four fucking Super Bowls. Like, please, like, just accept this stuff. You don't have to like it, but accept it and move on because it's helping the Eagles. In the Point Golden blank. State Warriors run. Don't have to root for injuries. In the, in the Golden State Warriors run, they have been insanely fortunate to not be having injuries. And if you look and at when last year. And when they did, year, when Steph got injured, what happened? He well, was look, look at last in the finals. Year. Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. You think the Warriors are like, oh, man, so upset we don't have to face Kawhi for seven games. No. And then, like, the injuries that, like, the Cavs had, like, no, those are banners that are up in the air. And it's like, give me a break about, you know, whether or not it means more. Like, when you look back in history, it doesn't matter. Um, And then, um, shit, I forgot what I was going to say. But I do know that the Eagles signed Timmy Jernigan to a four-year contract, and Howie Roseman is just not playing games at all. Uh, Timmy Jernigan made me realize, like I used to say, man, I can't believe we lost Benny Logan. I didn't realize how much more effective like Timmy Jernigan was than Benny Logan, and it's it's great. Like it true, like as Fletcher Cox said. Timmy Jernigan forces defenses to keep me on it, to keep, to keep, it keeps offenses honest against us. They can't just double team me every time. And that's what they did to him last year. And like, I loved Benny Logan. I thought he was great. Timmy has been such an improvement over him. It's been awesome. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. There's not really much like to saying add better. to contract extensions. There is not. What else? Uh, what do you like to say better, Timmy Jernigan or Halapuli Vali Vati Vatai? Uh, definitely Vatai. Yeah. But I love any grown man over 300 pounds that I can call Timmy to his face. That is fair. That is fair. Uh, one other Eagles thing. Did you see the uh, sound effects mic'd up video? Yes, I did. So everyone, myself, it was swell. Being, the leader of this pack worried a little bit about Blunt as a teammate coming into the year, and then the trade happens, and no one really talked about this. Eat but that crow. The, Eat the, that crow. Yeah, it's delicious. Everyone was a little worried, like, how's Blunt going to take this? They're bringing in Ajayi. And then you see Blunt on the sidelines campaigning Doug Peterson to let Corey Clement. Now, I don't think Blunt was going in because it was the end of the game anyway, but campaigning and rooting for Corey Clement to get the hat trick and then going wild when he gets it, and him and Ajayi yucking it up on the sidelines. Like, no locker room problems here. All these guys are happy to be winning. Like you look at the, they had Chris Long mic'd up, happy to be winning. You look at Blunt, happy to be winning. Two guys who won last year. Ajayi's never won, happy to be winning. Like this is, you know, sometimes you take for granted, especially guys, uh, I don't know, Blunt's a veteran, but you take for granted how much guys want to win and how much winning could just smooth over any problem. Like if this team is four and six, is Blunt, 
upset that he's only got two touchdowns on the year and he wants to get another contract next year. But when they're eight and one, hey man, this is this is awesome. It smooths over any sort of like possible problem. Everything is breaking in the Eagles' favor. Everything. I feel it is. Like. And that video was great because, you know, you have, like, LeGarrette, like, rooting for Corey Clement, and then you have the whole team coming together, and then you have Ajay having, like, this moment of reflection, being like, man, I can't believe I'm on this side. I've been on that other side so many times, like, losing. And there's just, there's a special energy about this Eagles team right now, and... It's really, really great, and it's it really does feel like more than just um, you know wins. Um, and you know what else we didn't get to talk about? Did you see the Doug Peterson post game speech after the Broncos game? Oh, absolutely! Did I see it? It's like oh. I, I think I watched it twenty times without Holy hyperbole. Fuck. It was good. Uh, we there, we were so wrong on Doug. <laughs> there's nothing I like I'm better. I'm so happy to be wrong on him. There's nothing I like better than the bye week time off announcement in sports oh, yeah. and football. Like that that's always the best video cuz you got the punchline but it's got to be coming off a win. See you Wednesday. See you Wednesday. I like and if you've been watching these Doug post game things, he's been breaking. I like the way he does this. There's a lot of one at a, one game at a time coaches. I kind of appreciate the way Doug is not like that. Go back and watch a few of these speeches after the I think when they had that weird stretch where it was like Sunday, Sunday, Thursday, he said to the guys, or like Monday, Sunday, whatever it was, um, he said to them, he's like, all right, men, we got 13 days, we got three games, and then we have a little bit of time off because they had Thursday to the following Monday. So he gave them like four or five days off after that um, Panthers game. So he said, gentlemen, I need you for the next 13 days. We have to complete our mission. We got two games, 13 days. I need everything you got, and then we get a little bit of a break. And then, if you listen to his speech from the other day, he said, all right, I needed you for three weeks. I needed three weeks out of you. And then that's when the guys started yelling, time off, time off. So, like, to me, I read that as he told them, you give me your best three weeks here, and then you get a week off for the, you know, a full week off for the yeah, bye. Rather real than real good football coach move. They break the season down into miniature seasons. I, lo- I love that. And he doesn't talk about, like, Bill Belichick. in the second quarter of the season. And Belichick won't talk about record, and Peterson's in there. We walked in here seven and one. We're walking out eight and one. We have eight wins. Like he's putting the season in context, and I appreciate that because it. I to me that makes it less difficult um, to overlook like a potential trap game. Like he acknowledged. He said, "Look, we got it. We got a on the sideline." A, big emotional win against the Redskins, but we can't overlook the 49ers. Like he's putting the season in context and he's breaking it up and he's telling guys, I need you for 12 days. And then we get a few days off and I need you for 18 or 19 days. And then we get a week off. And I, I like that. I like the way he's doing that. 